if you hadn't been with us, uh, what we've been doing for the last three, uh, three or four weeks, and we will for, we've got about three weeks left in it, a couple more weeks left in it, a tale of two kingdoms. And the word kingdom is a word Jesus used a lot. He used it at the start of his ministry when he said, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is here. In other words, he is the king of the kingdom and he is here and nothing is going to be the same. And then he started to teach his disciples, his followers about what the kingdom ethic was or kingdom economics was. And it's like, you know what? When it comes to the kingdom, this kingdom operates on a different wavelength than the kingdom, what he called the kingdom of this air. It's the idea of the culture, the widely held set of beliefs and values. And so he's saying, listen, the way you operate if you're a follower of Christ is going to be countercultural to the culture. No matter what culture you're born into, the culture of the kingdom of heaven is different in so many ways. And so what we're doing is we're taking a few weeks and we're looking at some of the most intense parts of that kingdom. And so we started off with the kingdom of God in politics and the kingdom of God in your employment or your work. And how does that go in? The kingdom of God in marriage and um, we're going to you know, do the kingdom of God and satisfaction, but last week and this week, we're doing like a little mini-series within the bigger series. It's the kingdom of God and gender. The kingdom of God and gender. If you haven't noticed, there's somewhat of a movement to erase gender in, it's mainly in the Western world at this point, to basically erase it and say that men and women are the same. They are the same. And one of the things that we hit last week is they are equal, absolutely co-image bearers of God, but they are distinctively different, and that's a beautiful design that God has made. So last week was a little bit easier on the kingdom of God and men, and we talked about men you're to be, no matter what you're, no matter if you're married or single, you're to be a prophet, priest, a king, a servant king, a provider and protector. That's who you're supposed to be. But if you really wanted to narrow that all down, what it really comes down to is men Men give of themselves for the glory of God and the flourishing of the people around them. Men are givers. Men are the ones that put other people in front of themselves, but boys are boys who can shave. They are takers. They are consumers. They take from their church. They take from females. They take from their employees. They take, they take, they take. And so that was, that was men. So today we've gotta, we're going to do the kingdom of God and, and women. And let me preface it by two statements. Statement number one, men. I do not need your help in this sermon at all. I do not need your help. I do not need your help in this sermon. There's no, it's not really a great place to amen. I just want to warn you on the front end, not a great place one. Uh, do not quote this sermon to your wife later on. It's like, do you hear what pastor said? It's just a poor, very poor plan. Really the best thing you can probably do is you can open up the note section in your phone and just begin to write down and list 31 things you love and appreciate about your wife. That would be one of the wisest thing you do is just like, hey, hey, I got, I'm on 29. That would be awesome. All right, second thing that I want to start off before we jump into the text is, ladies, listen to me. Show some grace today, okay? Show some, show some grace. I've never been a woman, and, but, 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 so I can't talk experientially about that. What I can say is I have been studying a godly one for 33 plus years and have learned a ton uh, from her, and, and actually, the biggest thing is we rely on this word. All right, we rely on this book, and this book is, has a message to all people and all cultures at all times, and it does not move. It is an equal opportunity offender. So what I want you to hear, ladies, is I want you to hear from a brother who loves you, and listen, I want the very best for you. I love you. I want the very best for you. And if you hear conviction today, awesome. If you hear condemnation today, that's not awesome. 
Romans 8, 1 says there's now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So if you hear conviction, think of conviction as a loving father, as a loving God who is inviting you to run to him. But if you hear condemnation, that is not from your father, that is from the enemy. So with that all being said, one of the main verses we've looked at is Genesis 1:27. So by way of reminder, we've hit this numerous times in this series because Jesus hit it. Uh, Paul hit it. It's obviously in the first book of the Bible. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So theologically, here's what you've got. You've got a tri, you've got a triune God equal in value. They are different in function. They are mutually in submission each to one another. They made both male and female to both individually and together put on display the glory of God. That's why he made us equal but unique, to complement each other, not to compete with each other. So ladies, to be as blunt as I can, you were created to put on display the glory of God. That's why you were created, to put on display the glory of God. And it is tough to be a woman today, because you were either told on one hand, you were either like a, you're supposed to be a man with a skirt. That is, you're just like a man. You're just a man. And that takes away all the awesome, unique contributions and characteristics God gave, God gave you. And on the other hand, you've also got a world that spends billions of dollars a year to simply say, treat yourself as a commodity. Your body is just a commodity. And not only are you to look at it that way, those billions of dollars are spent so that other people would look at it the same way. So Proverbs 31, the context is a godly woman. Some of your translations at the top, it says the ideal woman or the woman who fears the Lord. So the context of this is in the, it's, it's a godly, loving marriage that you have a godly wife and you have a godly husband. So that might not be your situation. Your situation might not be a godly marriage. You might be a single mom. You might be divorced. You might be in a very difficult situation. And the last thing is just where the ideal is lacking, grace abounds. Where the ideal is lacking, grace abounds. Numerous pictures of where that happens, but I would also say this. This is also where your local church plays a vital role. Your local church. Get in the middle of the herd. Get in the middle of the pack. God gave a church for your flourishing. You get in the middle of it. Make sure you're being discipled, that you're discipling somebody else, and that provides a ton of that grace that I mentioned. So what I'm going to do, last week was the longest sermon I preached in about four years, so I promised them I'm going to cut that thing down. You're going to think it's impossible, but there's because I'm, the title or basically is the kingdom of God and women. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to list for you, just walking through this text, seven characteristics of a godly woman. Do not hear this, because if you're a lady in here, you might feel like, oh, no, I don't lift up to this. Listen, you have to see this message through a gospel lens. You have to see this message. It's like your acceptance before God is not based on how you check these off, okay? Your acceptance before God is in the perfect work of Jesus on a cross. That's what Christianity is. It's what he did. It's not what you do. But when it's said and shown in light of what he did, it is motivation for you and I to walk in a manner, as the Apostle Paul said, worthy of the gospel. So seven characteristics. Some of them I'll spend a little more time on. Some of them will just be a quick flyby. So seven, for you note takers, this is your day. Verse 10, an excellent wife who can find. She is far 
more precious than jewels. Stop. Characteristic number one. This is a little bit to the husbands as well. She is valued. She is valued. When you look there, it says an excellent wife. The word excellent means courageous, valiant, noble, and it even means a warrior. This is the word that was used for warriors. It's like a warrior wife. Who can find? She's more precious than money and stocks and bonds and rubies and anything else. The word for wife there can also mean woman. The context is wife, but it can mean woman or female. And then it says, who can find? It's not saying it's impossible. It's just saying, if you're a single guy, you need to be on the lookout for this kind of lady. And from the perspective of a husband thinking about your wife, what he's saying right off the bat is that is an amazing gift that God has given you. She is a living, the way Proverbs 18 says, she is a living, breathing, tangible expression of the favor of God in your life if you were married to a woman who fears the Lord. And so uh, that's why at the end of it, it says he praises her, that he's grateful. And if you're a man in here, you need to understand that unexpressed gratitude is pretty worthless. And so if it's been a while since you've expressed gratitude for the gift that is your wife, no better day than today to start back up. Which, by the way, how's your list going? Good? All right, note section's out. All right, he's grateful, he expresses that, and, uh, and he values her. What that means is she has got to feel and she has got to be more important than your job, more important than your buddies, more important than your hobbies, which here, quick, just listen to Uncle Bruce real quick. If you have preschoolers and you're a husband, you only get one hobby, you get that? You don't get four hobbies if you got a preschooler. You get one hobby max, all right? So she's got a sense, I am more valuable than all of those things. Here's what we said last week. Every, every woman I know that I've ever met, and actually to some degree every person, but definitely every lady that I've ever met struggles with insecurity. They say the number, and you can back this up by what it admonishes the men to do and what the husbands are supposed to do to say, First Peter chapter three says, husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way and show her honor. Honor, it means value. Other places it says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Why? Because she is asking, am I lovely? Am I valued? And in this day and time and in this culture, the barrage of the lies from the enemy that says, you know what? Uh, you're just a commodity. You're just something to be handled. She has got to hear from you. You are valuable. You are a gift. You deserve to be treated as a gift. Ladies, you are so valuable, Jesus died for you. So if you don't hear anything else, just do the gospel by eBay. eBay's like, what will somebody pay for an item? What you need to understand as a female is you are so valuable, God sent his only son to die on a cross for you. That's why 1 Corinthians 6 says, listen, listen, you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your body. Now listen, ultimately, your security and your identity is not to be in someone else, it's to be in the perfect man, the Savior who bled and died for you. I understand that, but husbands, you and I are to be an echo of the gospel. That's what you and I are to be an echo in her ear of the gospel. And you can say it super easy. Man, I'm glad I married you. Man, I am a, I'm the luckiest guy. I am the luckiest guy on earth. Hey, baby, I missed you today. 
You are my, you're the best friend. Men, this is not, you got to write this stuff down. This is like easy stuff. Write this stuff down. You're the best friend I have. You know what? If I had to choose between going and shooting some old silly 10 point deer and staying with you, baby, I would stay with you. You can cross your fingers with that one, but just say it with some conviction. Say it with some conviction. So number one, she's valued. Number two, she's trustworthy. Verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. I love this one. That says her husband trusts in her literally means he entrusts his heart to her. In other words, he has got security and confidence in her. And the reason she does is the next part of the verse, it says, because she does him good all the days of her life. In other words, she's got a track record. And so he understands in his insecurity, we're on the same team. She's on my team. One of the best things you can do when an argument starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger and louder and louder and louder is one of you very gently say, same team, same team. Remember, we're on the same, we're on the same team. We don't attack each other, we attack the problem. Why? Because we're on the same team. It means there's no secrets, there's no secret online life, there's no secret credit card, there's no secret bank account, there's none of that stuff at all. And why? Because she does him good all the days of her life. One of the things, ladies, that would be a blessing to everybody is just think, okay, how do I do my husband? What, what is something I can do good for him today, this week? What is something that I can do good for him this week, just for our home? And by the way, the implication, men, and you'll see it clearly in verse 23, the implication is he would not be the person he is without her. The implication is he is a better man and he is a more successful man because of her, because of her. What do they say? The, uh, you know, behind every successful man is a shock mother-in-law. Is that what I think that's the way it goes? But basically it's the idea, it's the idea that what? Guess what? She has been key in all that God has done in his life. And part of that is she's trustworthy. Number three, here's one. She's a I, I tried to figure out a better way to put this. She's a hard worker. She's, she's not a Barbie doll, all right? She's a hard worker. And look, look how it says. This is all throughout it. And think about, by the way, this isn't, a, this isn't a section of your Bible called poetry. There's five books right there, and they're called poetry because they are done in a literary form of poetry, like Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon and Job, so they're done. In this way, you gotta understand, it's kinda like, it's like jazz more than a symphony. So it sorta kinda goes on certain riffs, and this is a riff that it goes on throughout the entire chapter here about how hardworking she is. So verse 13 says, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands, and she just, she's working. Verse 14, she's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. I think that just simply means that, man, take out is fine. You can take it out and bring it home, all right? So verse 15, she rises while it is yet night. I mean, she gets up early. She provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. Here's the deal, verse 16. She considers a field. The word considers is due diligence. The idea of studying, the idea of business acumen, 
business savvy. She's doing the due diligence to say, should we buy this field? And then when she does it, she, I mean, she's a boss, man. This is like a CFO. So she's doing all that study and she buys it. And with the fruit of her hands, she plants a, a vineyard. So here it is. This lady is not a prima donna. She's not spoiled. Sometimes when you look at a text like this, and this is just a quick sidebar, some people will come up and I still get this question. Is it okay? And again, some of you are like, I don't even believe you asked the question or you should even ask the question. Let's just get it out there because it's still there. We come from different viewpoints and different perspectives and people have different questions. So sometimes people still come up and ask, is it okay biblically for a woman to work outside the home? And I would simply say two things about that. Number one, number one, you never underestimate the value of raising kids. You're raising a little junior, never underestimate the importance of that. I never want to say anything that would minimize the fact that that is the most important job ever, that you are discipling the next generation. So just understand that is super, super important. And if that's you, you've not only got the hardest job ever, you've also got, I would say, arguably the, the most impactful job ever. You're raising the next generation. You're raising the next prince or princess. You're raising that next person who could be the next Billy Graham. So just understand. Number two, I would say this is a priesthood of the believer issue as well. This is a priesthood of the believer issue. Because what you see here is, I mean, for some of you, this will be a little next week. For some of you, for some of you, you got the wrong reasons you are working and you need to quit. For some of you. For some of you, you need to go into your boss and say, I need a more flexible schedule. It is just killing my family. And then some of you, honestly, some of you, God might be leading you to go back into work, go back into working outside the home. My deal is this. There is no cookie cutter version in this book. You got a boss lady like Lydia in the book of Acts that she's a, she's basically the person that we would say a fashionista. She's out there like using expensive garments and selling them and making trades. She's doing that. You've also got things like in the book of Titus that talks about, you know, make sure your attention is also at, also at home. I got to brag about this. Um, I know that, I mean, y'all don't know Lori that well. I mean, we've been here 14 years, but many of you don't know her. You just got to understand that my, I, I say this, my wife is the hardest worker I've ever seen. You know, you, you, you kind of look now that we're in our fifties and you're like, well, you guys, it's kind of been like, just kind of easy for, let me, here's a little bit of a background. Um, we got married. We were both in school. I was in graduate school and she was in nursing school. When we got married, she went to school in the morning, all morning long, went to nursing school all morning long, and then she did home health all afternoon until dark. Home health is like the least glamorous. I can't even describe the job to you. If you're in it, it's a hard job. You're going from house to house in some of the more difficult parts of Fort Worth, Texas, going into these homes, helping people. It's kind of between the hospital and hospice, but you were helping people do that. Then when our kids were small, when they were like super small, and I was making about I think I was making $16,000 a year. She would work the graveyard shift at the local hospital, meaning that my day off was Friday and Saturday. And so what would she do? I'd get home and she would go work the graveyard shift. What that means is she would do a seven to seven, come home and take a nap, go do another seven to seven, and then get up for church on Sunday morning and then go disciple a bunch of people. So you're talking about, she, this, this girl is hardworking. Now she disciples a ton of ladies. Like right now, right now, she is discipling like a whole ton of different ages as we speak about 200 feet from where I'm standing. 
She disciples a two-year-old two days a week. She runs our household. She writes curriculum, all that kind of stuff. Brother, she's a hard, she's a hard worker. So she's also confident. Look at verse 17. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. The first one's spiritual, the second one is physical. She dresses herself. Think about it this way. She says she dresses herself with strength. When you dress yourself with something, what are you doing? You're taking something on the outside of you and then you were putting it on. If you were putting your pants on, you would go take your pants and then you would put them on. If you're putting on a dress, you're taking a dress and you're putting a dress on. It's taking something on the outside of you and then putting it on you. Very, very similar to what we're admonished to do in Ephesians chapter six when it says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. How are we gonna do that? Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. She's confident. Where's her confidence? Her confidence is outside herself. So I would simply say this. Her confidence, her security, her identity are in the Lord. That daily she would remind herself, you know what? I've been made in the image of God. I've been made for the glory of God. And I've been made through the love of God. And God loves me. And so while she's looking in the mirror and doing all this stuff, she's also reminding herself, listen, I am loved by God Almighty. The reason that's so important, and if you're a dad in here and you have daughters, man, you gotta get this. The kingdom of this heir spends billions of dollars every single year trying to basically objectify women. To say, you know what, you are your body or you are this. Your own, if you're not beautiful, then you're not lovable. All these kind of lies from the enemy. And then it even seeps over. It seeps over to the fact that, I mean, you take something harmless like HGTV. And you watch HGTV and you see these perfect homes and it's like they're just awesome. And then you look at your home and you're like, not awesome. Doesn't look like that at all. And you're like, you start to go into that comparison trap. You sit there and... Uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with wanting the best, you know, doing the best you have with what you got. But if you have a daughter, you ought to be telling her Psalm 139, verse 14, every single night as you tuck her in. You ought to tuck her in and just go, listen, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and my soul knows it full well. Listen, honey, guess what? God made you, He created you. You are not some accident from some primordial cell way back then. You are made in a creation of almighty God, and you are beautiful. You gotta tell her Psalm, uh, Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. For you were created in Christ Jesus. You are God's workmanship. It means poem. You're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Just the idea you're valuable. I tell you where it hurts. I tell you, you know where it's hard today if you're a lady? And again, I'm not against it because I, I'm gonna, I, it's very useful at times. Pinterest is not your friend. It's just not your friend. Instagram, Facebook, a lot of times they are not your friend. And what happens is you look and you compare what you know is real about you with what you don't know about somebody else. So it's one of your friends or acquaintances or somebody you've never met but you follow on Facebook, let me just let you in. All they post is their highlight reel. You got that, right? And it's cruel at times because some lady will get up and she'll put all her makeup on and then she'll jump back in bed and put her covers up and do a little selfie and it's like, hey, women crush Wednesday. Wake up, wake up. She didn't wake up right then with all that makeup on. 
She got up, spent an hour, did her hair, then got back into bed, click, 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 and to act like that's normal. That ain't normal, man. That is not normal. And you compare yourself and you're like in a bathrobe and you got no makeup on and you know, coffee and a Marlboro 100 or whatever, and you're just like, what is going on here? I don't look like that. I don't look like that. So it is it's just, it's true. Verse 18. I sound like I've been Marlboro 100s, don't I? Okay, verse 18. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. Just real quickly, she's generous. She's generous. She, she understands, you know what? Um, verse 20, she opens her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. She knows I'm blessed to be a, a blessing. She reaches out her hands to the needy. She serves. There's another place in Proverbs that says, by her serving the needy, she honors the Lord and she honors people. So even right now, I mean, people, first of all, Jesus Christ is the head of the church, but women are the backbone of the church. All right, church, and I said it last week, we have about 20% more males that go to our church than, than on average, all right? Normally, churches are like 70-30, and we're at least 50-50. But I say that with, with, no, with no reservation. Women are the, like right now what's going on, you just look right now, there's not, you couldn't do anything today at any of the campuses if it wasn't for the godly ladies that are serving Christ, just like this Proverbs 31 woman. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household her clothes is scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself, her clothing is fine linen, so she's got a little bit of means. Fine linen and purple. Let me give you this number, whatever this next number is. Number next, okay. She is an encourager. I'm gonna spend a little time on this one. She is an encourager. Verse 23 says this. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. The gates are like city hall. In other words, her husband's like very successful. He's making judicial decisions. He's one of the city leaders. He, that's where he is. But again, what he's saying is he is a better and more successful person than he otherwise would be. This is kind of that complementarian role that we've talked about that can be abused and has been abused, but when it works and when it's actually done with the biblical components in it, like a husband that is loving his wife as Christ loved the church, which means like, listen, your deal is a bigger deal than my deal, then it can be very, very beautiful. All right, ladies, remember some grace, and this is not meant to be an indictment, and somebody don't take out a 20-second clip of this. But I've been doing this a long time, and I've, and I've seen it, through, I've seen it in, in ministry, is that wives can either be a lift or a lid. I've seen it where wives are like, I don't care, I'm not moving to, we had people in seminary, like I ain't moving, we, we're only, I went to seminary in Texas and there were people on our street, there was, it's like, we're going back to North Carolina and God's not calling us anywhere else. I will tell you this, if, you, if on one, one extreme is a, is a lid and maybe in the middle is a lift, man, I will tell you, I married a launch pad is what I married, all right? I married a launch pad and I say that very confidently, I will say this. I'll give you a little insight. First 12 years, 13 years we were here, some of y'all are new. First 13 years we were here, everything was simply up and to the right, up and to the right, up and to the right. 
I mean, we pray about something, boom, it would happen. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. And then, and then March 15th happened. And then I remember being in this room preaching to no seats because it was like lockdown and a camera back there. And I remember actually, I've told you this story. I remember looking at the first couple of months of preaching to an empty room and actually questioning my call to ministry. Going, good night, man, you stink. I mean, you have, what is going, that is the worst sermon that I've ever heard. And it was, and what helped me through it, well, probably threefold. The Lord was very gracious. Secondly, I watched some of my friends who I consider some of the best communicators in the country when they were preaching to an empty room. They stunk too, so it was kind of encouraging, sort of in a weird way. But what was even better was I had, I had a wife that when I would get down and low would remind me of the goodness and the faithfulness of Almighty God. And she would, sometimes she would be very strategic and very intentional, and sometimes just because of the way she is, she would just, she would just say stuff. She would just remind me, it's like, listen, you think God was gonna bring us this far and just abandon us? No, 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 that's not gonna happen. Sometimes she would just pray for me. Sometimes I would hear her praying for me. Do you know the power when your husband hears you praying for him? That'll mark him. That marks him. And so uh, the way she does it, verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. All right, here, let me, let me, let me, I'm gonna let you in on some men. I'm gonna let you in on men, ladies. Proverbs 18, 21 is directed to everybody, but it's specifically true when it comes to men and women. Proverbs 18 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat of its fruit. The amount of power that God has given women, particularly, that in general, that's the case, but particularly wives on the hearts of a husband is staggering. It is staggering the power you guys have. If a man's internal fear is, do I have what it takes? We talked about that last week. Do I have what it takes? You know what our external fear is? It's you. That's our external fear. And the reason that your husband won't look at you right now is because he's scared. I mean, that's, he's scared of what your reaction would be. But I've got a fairly thick skin, a fairly thick skin. I don't mind conflict. I kind of enjoy a little bit of the banter if a bully's doing stuff online or bullying somebody else. I kind of enjoy that. I mean, I always have. I kind of enjoy kind of coming in and pop, popping the bully. I kind of enjoy that. I, I, you know. I'm not saying it's right, I just, I do. And even, let's say this, if, if you were to come up to me after this sermon in the lobby and say, man, that's the worst sermon. That's so bad. That's so bad. Seven points. That's the, that's the worst sermon. We're gone. We're going to go someplace where we can get some Bible preaching. I'd sleep pretty good tonight. I really would. I would sleep pretty good. I mean, I would kind of think about it for a second, but then I would eventually get to the place where I'm like, what's wrong with that guy? What's eating him? Something's going on at home. Something's going on. But I would sleep pretty well. She's not in this service, so don't tell her this, but if she said like a, a phrase that even hinted that this was a lame sermon, dude, I would be devastated. I'd think about it. I would think about it. I would think about it all week long. Here's a little secret. Like last week, 
I was like kind of beating myself up because it went so long. And I was like, ah, you know, but I was kind of, I kind of liked it. I kind of liked it. I mean, I was like, yeah, that wasn't bad. That wasn't bad at all. But I also knew that's like, that went kind of long. And all, the only phrase she said was, she's like, oh, it's good, it's good. It's like, you know, you covered a lot. It's like, I covered too much? I covered too many verses? What? And that's what I was doing. And so what you've got to understand is this. You've got to understand, you have an, you've got it. I mean, I got a little five foot five wife at home that has way more power than if you meet me in the lobby and you're like six five and bowing up. Number one, we got security that'll taser material, but number two, it's like, you know what? She just got more, she got more power. So ladies, let me encourage you on this. First Corinthians 13, talking it's the chapter on love, you hear at weddings and stuff, it says this. It says, love doesn't keep any record of wrongs. Flip that around and keep a record of the rights that he does do. Instead of just the negative, I'm just, I'm gonna forgive and I'm gonna move on. Keep a long record of the rights that he does. Remember, tell him, you do good. Because he's gonna try, I mean, he's gonna try. And so what I said last week is just like, Tarzan, Tarzan, Tarzan. All right, if he reads the Bible to the kids and he mispronounces something or he can't find a book, don't just go, we're waiting, don't do that, don't do that. When he gets there and he reads it, it's like, man, that made me so proud. Sexy when you read the Bible or something like that. Or you, if, he, uh, if he prays with you and prays a dumb prayer, don't matter, don't matter. So just keep along, be an expert in his strengths. You're like, well, yeah, I gotta point out the stuff he's doing wrong. Okay. Just so you don't have a little 20 second clip. There's nothing wrong with having the very difficult discussions. Nothing wrong with that. But as a reminder, because we are sons of Adam, we're sons of Adam, but you're a daughter of Eve. And so when you look at Genesis chapter three, what happens is sometimes the man is like his insecurity when he's thinking, do I have what it takes? And when you come up and you try to help him have what it takes, you're like, baby, hey, you're making some mistakes here. What you think is helping, he takes his hostility. And I would just say this, what he says there, what does it say? He says, her words are like kindness. It reminded me of Romans two, when it says the kind, God's kindness leads us to repentance. God's kindness, his grace, makes me want to change in the same way. More than likely, husband knows what he's doing wrong. Knows what he's doing wrong. He probably just hears a little bit about more about what he's doing right, because here's, here's the way it ends. She looks well to the ways of her household. She does not eat the bread of idleness. I'm telling you, man, this, is, this lady is, if you're not married, you need to hire her, if nothing else, because she's a hard worker. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, when he praises her, husbands, how's the list? How's the list coming? All right, homework next week. Many women, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. What is he doing? He is expressing his gratitude about the woman she is. Unexpressed gratitude is worthless. You're like, I'm so grateful for my wife. Does she know it? Does she know it? When is the last time she heard it? Teenagers, it says that the children do the same thing. When's the last time you stood? He's like, mom, you are like the most amazing mom. I love the way, to, I love watching you worship. I love to watch you worship in church. It just is, it challenges me. When is the last time they, they heard that? So, last characteristic for a godly woman is that she is godly. Verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. 
So two parts. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Vain just means it's like a breath. It actually is the word for vapor. Nothing wrong with doing externally for everybody, with the, you know, doing the best with what we got, being healthy, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but time and gravity are not your friend. Just say that. Time and gravity are undefeated. They are undefeated. Listen to me. They are undefeated. If you're in your 20s, you're in here and you're all flexible and you're like, hey, you know, I just, just as, as the rest of us, as we are, so you will be. Just so you understand that. <laughs> that will happen. And there's nothing wrong with that. Again, not trying to be crass. I'm just saying, but you can nip and tuck and Botox until you look like the Joker on Batman and nobody even recognizes you. But the bottom line is, the bottom line is, even that will, at some point, that will fail. So, what's it say? It says, it's not, I'm not saying it's wrong. If you got extra cash, that's whatever. All I'm saying is this. What he's contrasting is, he says, but, or in contrast to a woman who fears the Lord, and it's going from the external to the internal, it's going from outside, it's going to inside, it's going to the heart issues. It says, but a woman who fears the Lord, that's the one that's to be praised. That's the one you go look for. And what does that mean? Sometimes people like fear the Lord, that seems kind of, kind of out of date, doesn't it? Just understand the fear of the Lord. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But when you think about the fear of the Lord, don't think of you're terrified. Think of it more like when you think about the sun, you have great respect. You understand, I need to be in right relation to that sun. You appreciate, but you understand the power of that sun, boom, could burn me to a crisp if I'm in wrong relationship with the sun. So jot it down. A woman who fears the Lord is obviously, you've received Jesus as Lord. Have you ever bowed? You know, last week I said, if you want to stand up and act like a man, you've got to surrender and bow to the Lordship of Jesus. And I would say the same thing. It's like, I want to be a godly woman. Do you know God? That's the first question. Has there been a time when you turned from your sin and embraced Jesus by faith? All right. Um, this woman has her identity in the Lord. She loves Jesus. She lays down the lies of the world. So she receives him. Have you done that? That's the first step. She rests in what Jesus has done for her. She's not chasing all the stuff out there. She understands my identity and my confidence are in the Lord. The fact that he loves me and he knows me. That's what the gospel message is, is that he knows me and we are so bad. Jesus had to die for me, but I'm so loved. Jesus chose to die for me. And so that's your first identity point. That's who I am. And then I would say this lastly, is a woman who fears the Lord, she repents quickly. Repents quickly. The reason she repents quickly and runs to God instead of runs from God is because she understands the gospel and that he already knows and he invites me. So the goal, ladies, listen, my goal, just like the men, the goal is not, I'm gonna just go try so hard. I'm gonna cowgirl up and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do good. And I'm gonna do, no, no, no. That's not gonna last but a couple of days. What you can do is though, I'm gonna rest in the finished work of Jesus. And it, you're like, I feel bad because I, I wasn't checking off any of those boxes. Look at those things, not as condemnation, but look at them as an invitation from a God who already knows and invites you. I love the, Jesus put it this way. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Weary means tired. Heavy laden means you got all these burdens and it's just, whether it be guilt or shame or regret or whatever, it's just like, it's there. 
And it's, he says, and I will give you rest for your souls. So here's what we're gonna do. Wherever you are, whatever campus you're at, if you would uh, just stand to your feet uh, right now, just stand to your feet. I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna respond. We always wanna respond to the gospel, and here's the way we're gonna respond. We're gonna, we're gonna sing and we're gonna pray. All right, we're gonna sing and we're gonna pray. So uh, some of we're gonna sing. There's a great song that we've used a few times, and it's called Make Room. And here's the way the first stanza goes. Here is where I lay it down. Like now, here, right now, I'm gonna lay this down. What are you gonna lay down? Every burden and every crown. This is my surrender. Here is when I lay it down, every lie and every doubt. So while a lot of people are gonna be singing, I would say also, a lot of us need to pray. Maybe you're a single lady at church and as a single lady, you grab that girlfriend that you've got. Maybe you're a teenager, you grab that girlfriend that you're by and then you come to the altar and you pray. And you, for some of you, it might be a difficult thing. You might say, I gotta surrender this relationship. I know the relationship I'm in is not glorifying to God at all and it's gonna hurt, but I'm gonna do it. Why? Because I'm a Christ follower first and you come and you pray. And if you have a friend like that next to you, you say, hey, I'll go with you if you need to. And you just, you come down here and pray. Some of you are some married ladies. You need to pray too. There's some things that God has shown you, not by way of condemnation, but by way of conviction. And you need to come up here and lay this down. Maybe there's some bitterness, maybe there's some anger, maybe there's some disappointment, and you just come up here and say, God, I'm gonna lay this down. I wanna make room for you to move in my life. And if you move in my life, the ripple effect, you don't have any idea where this would go. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray. When I say amen, then you either hit, open up that mouth and you begin to sing like you've never sung before. But a lot of us, you come down here and you pray, and you're like, I'm gonna lay this burden down, I'm gonna lay this doubt down, I'm gonna lay this regret down, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay this lie that I have bought into. I'm gonna lay this down, and when I leave this church in a little bit, I am not gonna be the same person. So Father, our prayer is the next three or four minutes, there would be thousands of people that would be echoing a song about making room for you, about surrendering, and it's so much easier to sing than it is to do so much easier to sing I surrender than it is to actually surrender. So we pray for grace. We pray for power. We pray for backbone. We pray for conviction. Thank you for all the ladies at our church today. Thank you for their love for you. Thank you for their service. Thank you for their wisdom. Thank you for their strength. Help them to understand, you know what? They're a warrior in Christ. Help them to flourish. But God, our prayer is whether it be male, female, married single, that the next few minutes we would be singing or we would be praying with all we have, echoing the gospel, saying, you know what, I'm laying this doubt down, I'm laying this deceit that I bought into down, I'm surrendering to Jesus. And we pray it in his powerful name, amen.